So how's your morning been? Well, it literally just started. I'm not going to lie to you. Last night I shot until uh, after midnight. Oh, wow. So needless to say, it always takes me a little bit to unwind after creating art. So I didn't go to bed, I think, until about 3.30. So Gosh. I did a quick beat this morning and woke <laughs> up for this interview. Oh, man. Well, thank you. I, I personally, I don't do well on very little sleep. So kudos to you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the life I live. I'm pretty used to it now. <laughs> nice. Well, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to speak with you a little bit. I know America was kind of first introduced to Laganja in 2014. Um, and you de- debuted as the queen of green. Um, but at the time, cannabis legalization was still kind of in its infancy. So how did people react to your, your advocacy for marijuana? You know, my initial reaction back in 2014 was very mixed. I had people who really cherished the work that I was doing and felt that I was really, you know, showing or shining a different light on the stoner community. But I also had many people who felt like I was a drug addict who was glorifying something that, you know, uh, was dangerous. So I got it all. Um, But being from Texas, you know, I'm used to this. I'm used to these ideas that people have. And and that's exactly why I chose to be Laganja Estranja was to really be not only talk the talk, but walk the walk and show people what it looks like to be a successful stoner in today's state. Wow. And that's so bold. I mean, you chose not only to embody um, your drag queen persona, which I'm sure has come with its fair share of people's stigma, um, but also then adding the plant to it. I mean, that's super courageous. Thank you. I mean, I had no idea when I was doing this that it was. <laughs> I was just <laughs> something that I loved and that was, you know, near and dear to my heart and changed my life. And so I wanted other people to know about it. And, you know, as I began really getting into it more, I realized that it was going to be, um, well, a a bumpy ride. I mean, it's, it's been a journey, which is incredible, but there definitely have been some bumps in the roads and some eyes looking at me and, you know, it is what it is. I, I feel like because I grew up in musical theater, I don't really have a sense of being brave because to me, it's, it's just making art. And that's what I've done since I was seven years old. So I always get a little shocked, I guess, when people call me brave, because it's like, I'm just being me, you know? It's hard to do. I think it's hard to do. Even yeah. if being you isn't something that's hard for people to be comfortable with, I think it's hard to be yourself. So kudos. Hey. <laughs> um, when did you first realize cannabis was going to be an important part of your life? Well, I first began medicating when I was like 17, 18 in high school, but I don't think it really became a crucial staple in my life until I was a junior in college. I got injured during a dance piece and my back was out of alignment and I was seeing a chiropractor and he was actually the one who suggested using cannabis for pain management. Now, at that point, I definitely had smoked. I was smoking a lot, but I don't think it was through the lens of a medicinal use. And so that really kind of changed my mind when I had a doctor recommend that I use cannabis. And from that point on, you know, I really started taking it more serious. I got my medical license uh, under Proposition 215 at the time. And, you know, when I discovered that that was actually founded by the LGBTQAI plus community, 
um, I felt a real sense of carrying out this legacy mm. and being, you know, someone who was queer and someone who was also in the cannabis space. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, I can appreciate that connection. Um, and so now you're you're hosting Chopped 420, which I think is super- Well, I'm not cool. hosting. I'm a special guest judge. Special guest judge. I appreciate the distinction. Um, well, how did that opportunity come up for you? You know, uh, a casting agent reached out to me. They had met me one time or I had auditioned for them one time or who knows exactly how they knew who I was. And they asked me to audition. So I interviewed with the showrunner, Kemper, who I absolutely adore. She's amazing and very fierce. And basically they had me, you know, critique a fake dish. Like they told me what the dish was. And then they said, well, what would you say if you were served this? And um, they said, I nailed it. They said I was better than some of the four-star Michelin chefs that they had interviewed to be on the judges, judges panel. So I was extremely honored, you know, uh, I was really the only, I think there's one other judge who's not technically a chef, um, but it was a big deal to me, not only as someone in the cannabis industry, but again, as someone who is queer, because I knew this would be a great way to create visibility and to really show people specifically those who doubted me when I first joined in the cannabis industry, you know, that I'm here to stay. Yeah, that's a great way to phrase it, visibility. And I think shows like this, I'm starting to see more of them cooking with cannabis, um, just shows that can show cannabis being like incorporated into a lifestyle. So I'm excited to to see that visibility um, for cannabis as well. Me too. It makes me really happy. And, you know, my parents are watching the show. So it's, it's amazing how many people Chopped 420 is really reaching. That's awesome. And what kind of um, reactions have you heard? Because the, the show debuted on 420 last week. Have you been hearing from people about it? Oh, yes. I have a very active, uh, I call them my buds naturally of course and yes they've been very active and most of them you know watch the show on 420 because I had been hinting at it and dropping previews and things of that nature so my my people loved it they were super proud of me said I looked beautiful I spoke with elegance and ease so I'm very thrilled with the reviews I'm receiving for sure do you think that shows like this will get kind of a different reaction than maybe um, what you experienced in 2014 with your cannabis advocacy? Absolutely. I mean, I'm already seeing that, you know, I think when Discovery puts their name on something like this, it really helps people go like, okay, well, this must not be that bad. Nice. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's definitely improving every day. And was it difficult to host the show? Like, I just can't really imagine eating cannabis products on TV and like doing it and then still kind of performing adequately. <laughs> Was it challenging? Well, all the meals were microdosed. So for someone like me, who's a habitual smoker, you know, I'm a, I'm a dab diva. So uh, I have a very high tolerance. So, you know, for me, the food didn't necessarily affect my performance. Um, I was absolutely nervous, like I said, not being a, you know, a real chef and sitting next to both Sam and Esther, who, I mean, you know, Esther owns her own restaurants. Sam is, you know, a winner on all of the, the reality TV shows. I mean, it's just kind of like, I had a lot to live up to, but it was so much fun. And they both made me feel really comfortable. And, you know, Kemper, who was our showrunner, she got us together before we shot so that we could all vibe out and smoke and get to know one another. So we like set up a rapport with each other that by the time it came to filming, it was just fun. 
And this is a, this is a dream job for me, right? This is something that I've worked over 10 plus years for. So I was just excited and happy and thrilled. And even though the food was cold when we finally ate it, it was was good. It was good. Oh, I love that. I I never knew that. um, I always wondered, like, how do they keep all the food (laughs) warm while the judges are- Give me magic, mama. (laughs) Well, um, and you mentioned earlier that you're um, into dabbing. Is that your favorite way to ingest? Yes, it is. Yeah, good call. Um, I recently got into that myself. And like, at first it was a little bit too intense, but I think uh, the way that you ingest it helps. Like I, I tried the Puffco peak. Have you tried that guy? Yeah. Um, and for me, that was a totally different experience than kind of, um, some of like the other methods. Yeah, absolutely. No, there's definitely a difference between electric rigs and the old school way. Um, I'll be honest right now. I currently have an email that I'm obsessed with. it's always hot so it's just always ready for me to take a dab so I like that although I think it's a little dangerous because it makes it so easy to dab Um, but I actually rock candy pins candy pins makes an incredible um, electric rig called the aura that I just love so that's that's what I use oh nice Um, so how would you like to see sort of the perception around cannabis change Well, I wish we could get to a place where people realize that it is a medicine, you know, I've always been for that. That's what I've always tried to, you know, push as my message, because I think as great as it is to be the cool stoner chick, I mean, there's so much more to this plant than, you know, the the hip hop vibes and the other things that come along with pop culture that we know of, you know, Mm -hmm. cannabis. Um, And it really did. It changed my life. It not only healed my back, like I mentioned in college, what originally got me on the plant, but it's helped me regulate my eating and sleeping cycles. Um, You know, it makes me a much more nicer person to be around. I feel, I feel like I'm a better person when I am medicated. And so I just really think that what needs to happen is we need to be federally recognized. Um, And until that point, I really feel like stigma isn't going to change. You know, we're going to need more than the Discovery Channel doing a show like this. We're going to really need federal recognition. So it is my hope that before all these places start going recreational, that we will, you know, put down in writing for everyone to see this is medicine, you know? Yeah, beautifully said. Um, And I'm so grateful that when you were having back problems, you had a a doctor who talked to you about cannabis rather than California (laughs) rather than prescribing opioids back problems can really be a slippery slope for so many people absolutely and you know that's what I mean it's my parents always make fun of me because I moved to California and now I drink like turmeric teas and have crystals (laughs) and they're like oh you woo 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 people out in California but you know at the end of the day I really think that the open-mindedness here is what led me to this plant and I'm so grateful that I had a doctor who put it in that lens for me because as I said I'd been using I knew it was helping me but I had no idea it was medicinal and so when I had a doctor tell me that it was like oh wow like it really changed my perception. So I, I do thank California for being for being the, the leader. I really do. I mean, I know uh, Colorado had their shit together 
had their stuff together long before we did. Um, but I really do feel, you know, so special to be living in California, to be queer, to have used the Compassionate Act, Proposition 215, to medicate, and to now be seeing it going recreational. And, and hopefully we'll have a seat at that table soon. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, what would you like to see next for the cannabis space? I know you want federal legalization, but are you hoping that that comes with any sort of certain caveats? Like, I know a lot of people are scared about federal legalization. Is it going to change things for people? Are they going to tax the hell out of it? Is it going to make the black market expand? Do you have any like concerns about that becoming more of a, a nationwide thing? I mean, I have concerns when there's any big change happening, right? I mean, you know, when we went recreational out here, I didn't really feel great about that. In fact, I had voted no on going recreational because I knew that it was going to kill so many small businesses as it did. So yes, there's always things to be nervous about when moving forward. But at the end of the day, I want to move forward. And I want to deal with those issues because I want there to be a landscape in which everyone can go to 7-Eleven and get their Slurpee and then go next door, just like I do, and get their cannabis. Mm -hmm. And so in order to do that, we're going to have to fall on our face and mess up. And hey, I'm known for publicly making a fool of myself. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to make mistakes and learn from them. So I'm worried, but I'm more hopeful. I'm more optimistic. I believe that there are enough people in charge right now who are educated and smart and have been you know, working in this field forever who could lead the way. Um, now, do I believe that those people who are usually women, people of color, queers, are gonna be listened to? Eh, I don't know, but I think that the, the group is growing every day. We're getting stronger and louder and eventually, you know, this is going to happen. And like I said, I think every place will be much like California where dispensaries are all over and, you know, it's easy to access medicine as it should be. Right. Yeah. That's a huge game changer. When I, when Colorado legalized and I was able to like you mentioned, you know, go get a Slurpee and then go get some green. It was like revolutionary. Like I don't have to wait around all day waiting, you know, I don't have for to the, the parking lot thinking I might get killed. I mean, I'm from Texas. So trust me, we did some shady deals to get, our, <laughs> to get our brick weed. It wasn't even good weed, you know? Yeah. I grew up in a um, New Mexico, so I can relate to the um, okay. less than stellar quality. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's a game changer and safe access really is important. Um, so well, I, I appreciate that. Also like what I want to see, I also want to see safe spaces for queer individuals. You know, I would love to, and I'm working on it, open the first like gay dispensary, you know, and have mm. cannabis strains named after drag queens and, you know, have products mm. that are made by queers for queers. Um, that's definitely, you know, a big goal of mine because as someone who's come into the space and most often not felt comfortable, in fact, to this day, I literally still get nervous going to cannabis events. Um, even though I'm someone in the industry and people should look at me like I'm someone, they don't, they look at me and still like the queer. I mean, I just yeah. did an event for my friend, Adam Hill and, um, you know, he's extremely open. Uh, he's straight, but he's very open. We do a show together called Misters and Marys every Monday night, which is bringing the straight and gay community together one blood at a time. Um, but even him, you know, he had people in his group that were there that I felt a little uncomfortable by, and he's such an ally. So, you know, I think it's important that we have safe spaces where queers can go and they can medicate and, and they can be with one another and, and feel comfortable. Yeah, I love that. 
Well, so on that note, what's next for you? Are you going to be working on projects more centered in the cannabis space? Yes and no. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm an artist. So that's always what's going to be first in my heart. You know, cannabis activacy is absolutely crucial to my art making. Um, but, you know, I am focused on making more music. I just dropped a new single called Hype Man on 420 with a music video as well. Um, so definitely more music is on the horizon. But I am working right now on a collab. I've worked on many collabs before and they always fall through. I'll just be honest with you. You know, I, I find that there's a lot of disorganization in the industry and a lot of um, failure to commit really. Mm -hmm. So we'll just see. I, I, I'm not going to tell you their name or anything just yet because, <laughs> you know, I just don't know. I mean, what's on the table and what's potentially there for me is an incredible opportunity. And I really hope that this is the one that finally goes through. Um, but until it does, all I can say is, yes, things are in the works. I'm really trying to have the Laganja Astranja brand and, you know, to really make a name for myself in the industry. You know, I don't want to just be the one person who's always complaining about how it's a homophobic industry. I mean, I'm grateful. I'm glad that I have this platform and I can share that, but I want to change that. That's so, it's so disappointing and it, it gets me down because it's like, yes, that's the truth. And I get why y'all are asking me to talk about it, but there's so much more here. And I've experienced so much more joy in the industry than I have, you know, being hated on or feeling uncomfortable. And so I just want to make it like that for other queer individuals. It's really important to me that people not go through what I went through when I first got in this industry, which is feeling ostracized and feeling like you don't belong and feeling like, because you're queer, we don't relate. It's like, no, like I, I want to take us back to that 1960s mentality where we're all up on hippie hill. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, gay, straight, we going to pass the blunt and we going to have a good time. Yes. Yes. I want that on a shirt. Right. <laughs> um, so where can people go to, to follow your work and keep up with what you're doing? So you can find me on all platforms at Laganja Astranja, except for TikTok because I'm older and late <laughs> to the game. So on that one, I am the only Laganja Astranja. And then I highly suggest people go check out my website, laganjaastranja.com. You can also go check out my beautiful store. Ooh la la. How is that? <laughs> and um, yeah, I've got all kinds of great things over on my website, my music, my dance videos. I mean, it's all there. I love it. Was well, there anything uh, lastly that you'd like us to kind of take away from this discussion that we didn't touch on? Um, let's see. I guess if I could leave anyone with final words, it's that uh, being yourself is the most powerful gift you can give to yourself. Mm -hmm. And that when you really lead with your heart and kindness, um, good follows. And so light it up, baby. Oh my gosh. You have so many good catchphrases. It's crazy. <laughs> Thank you. I don't mean to. I just happen to talk in that way. I don't know. It's okay. You're good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for speaking with me today. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I look forward to seeing what's next for you because you're a powerhouse. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you, you know, telling my story and um, what is the word I'm looking for? Like raising the volume on, on my, on my voice, amplifying yeah. my voice. Heck yeah. Let's turn it up to 11. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> All right. 120, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. All right, Jay. Well, you have a beautiful day and uh, I Thank look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely. Appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
Today's episode of Cannabis and Tech Talks is brought to you by Cerna. Designing a cultivation facility can be challenging and overwhelming. You have a lot of things to worry about and your cultivation climate shouldn't be one of them. Cerna's team of experienced licensed engineers provide stamped MEP designs to help achieve goals uniquely catered to your facility. Go to Cerna.com today to start planning your ideal cannabis climate. That's S-U-R-N-A dot com.